Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take ourselves about as seriously as golf enthusiasts take Tiger Woods' return to the sport. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and as you probably can hear, I'm happy to report my voice is back to its full unwheezy tone, but again, I'm getting this episode out a little later uh, than I'd hoped. Uh, it's just, I'll just say that uh, owning a house uh, formerly occupied by somebody who thought he was a contractor really tends to complicate life, and that having a full-time job and also finding time to research and write for every show is a, a really time-consuming task that I don't want to just half-ass uh, just to get a show out on a certain date. You know, I pride myself on being able to deliver actual substantive news and analysis and opinions to you listeners every week, and I hope that excuses a slight variation in the schedule and episode availability. In any case, uh, let's get straight into this week's news. First up this week, Ford has announced the recall of 400,000 current generation escape models for potential engine fires. Uh, 29 fires have occurred already, and the 1.6 liter turbo four-cylinder engine that the escape shares with the Fiesta ST, the Fusion, and the Transit van are all to blame here. Uh, The thing is, I made fun of the Maserati Levante last week for being recalled three times in the course of six months, but the escape has been recalled for the same exact fire risk five times since 2013, and they just cannot seem to get it fixed. Uh, Their solution this time is apparently to tell customers to remember to check their coolant levels, which, I mean, is a good practice anyway, but you'd think that Ford wouldn't need more than four times to get a fix made. It's just really embarrassing for the company. Uh, Now, rather than have you look at their inability to stop their escapes from catching fire, Ford wants you to, hey, look over here. They announced this week that they are going to spend about $1.2 billion on retooling factories and adding a data center in Michigan, which would lead to the addition of 700 jobs and the retention of at least 130 more positions. Uh, The factory updates will be aimed at automation and retooling uh, a factory in Michigan, to be able to build the new Ford Bronco SUV in the United States, adding to its already significant Americana appeal. Uh, Ford has also stated that they're going to be cutting down on production to slim inventory and uh, sort of operate a tighter ship. Um, This will eat into revenue somewhat since they won't have just an endless supply of cars from which to choose, but it will also cut costs, probably in the form of fewer jobs or fewer hours for workers on the assembly lines. Um, But with any luck, the Broncos will not be like the Escapes and will drive for a long time without ever catching fire. Meanwhile, kicked off in Australia this past weekend, and it is looking good for some healthy competition this season with uh, Sebastian Vettel's victory for Ferrari, hopefully uh, signaling a return to form for the prancing horse marquee. Uh, Mercedes really needs a push this year after having just dominated the past three years since the, uh, the start of the hybrid era and since they ingeniously split their turbocharger. Um, I mean, the engineering behind their, uh, 
their special turbocharger that sort of eliminates heat soak is really fascinating. And if you're any sort of tech geek, uh, definitely look into that. Uh, but it looks like Ferrari is really going to take the fight to them this year. And uh, though I can't say I'm super looking forward to Lewis Hamilton's whining about not being the fastest anymore, I do like Seb, so hopefully we'll continue to see him doing well on the Ferrari. This week, a mountain was made out of a molehill when an autonomous Uber vehicle was involved in a crash in Arizona. To be clear, according to police, the autonomous car was not at fault, and there were only minor injuries. But this made national news because one of the cars was being driven responsibly by a robot, which is crazy. Uh, The National Safety Council reported that last year, more than 40,000 people died in car crashes, which comes to one every 13 minutes or so. But here we are talking about a crash where everyone is fine just because a goddamn robot was involved. I guess more than anything else, this highlights the fact that even in auto- even with autonomous cars on the road, we're not going to be totally safe until all cars on the road are autonomous. And even then, I don't think that's going to happen ever, or at least happen on all roads. In the meantime, maybe we should try to focus on driver training and encouraging people to stop cutting me off and using their flipping turn signals and maybe not crashing into our autonomous cars because they're kind of expensive. Uh, Meanwhile, the EPA has finally given uh, approval for uh, Volkswagen software fix for 2015 TDI diesels, uh, and those were the vehicles that were at the heart of the Dieselgate scandal. Uh, This means that with the software update and a few minor mechanical repairs, those cars that VW bought back from consumers can be put back out on the market without spewing out, uh, you know, highly cancerous emissions. Uh, that being said, VW doesn't seem too invested in the future of diesel, having just unveiled a new electric crossover under its Skoda brand. And those who know the VW family will know that they tend to badge engineer the crap out of their cars, so we'll probably expect to see this Skoda with a Volkswagen logo on it appear sometime on our shores uh, in America. And it makes sense because no company has been so badly burned for cheating as Volkswagen. And it's hard to cheat with electric vehicles. They charge up, they go, they don't admit anything. And if you fake your range numbers, that gets found out pretty quickly. And I bet VW is going to be double-checking their figures for quite a while moving forward. Uh, Speaking of European crossovers, they are selling like hotcakes, which is not just in the U.S., but in their home countries as well. While SUVs and crossovers comprise almost 50% of the automotive market here in the land of the free and the home of the wide lanes and gargantuan boulevards, uh, crossovers have just breached the 25% share of the European market, which is up from 21% last year. Um, Of course, those sales increases came, you guessed it, at the expense of sedans, um, but also in Europe, hatchbacks and wagons, um, which is echoing the trend here in North America, away from smaller cars, because gas is still cheap. Um, Europe's quickest growing segment, though, was its premium compact crossover category. Um, And they said that uh, the luxury SUVs were uh, seeing a 40% increase in volume 
up to uh, more than uh, 330,000 units being sold last year. And with even more compact luxury crossovers coming onto the market this year with the I-Pace and the E-Pace and the F-Pace from Jaguar and several other models, I really don't see that trend slowing down anytime soon, which is unfortunate. Uh, so you, you guys remember how we had that whole recession thing brought on in large part by this thing called subprime lending to homeowners, um, who would default on their loans, which brought down the banks, which brought down our economy, which brought down all my post-graduation job prospects, which I'm not still bitter about. Uh, yeah, well, it's been reported this week that investors are becoming increasingly worried about so-called deep subprime loans that car buyers are taking out to be able to afford new cars. So deep subprime loans are categorized as those given to buyers with a FICO credit score lower than 550. And while these people have traditionally been able to keep up with their loans, they've started defaulting on them more and more. Uh, in fact, Deep subprime loans now account for more than 32% of all high-risk loans, which are loans given to people uh, with a lower than 600 FICO credit score, uh, which is up from 5%, so 32 up from 5% in 2010. Uh, delinquencies surpassing the 60-day period have tripled since 2012, and there's not really any sign that they're going to be stabilizing uh, and there's a there's really a lot of work here um, from the cash for clunkers program that destroyed a lot of cheap used cars to the fact that not many people bought cars during the recession, uh, causing the used cars out there to be more valuable simply because there are fewer of them. Now, uh, new car prices continue to climb with the average new car price being around thirty five thousand, which is a lot of money. And for people with low or no credit, there simply aren't that many options out there. So they get into these deep subprime loans and they can't find their way out. Uh, there's apparently talk of a mortgage-like bubble and if it bursts, like we saw with the mortgage bubble in 2007, it could be pretty problematic for banks again. But we really won't be able to tell until it actually bursts. So I guess cross your fingers and hope the banks actually learn their lesson from the last time around. Uh, on the other end of the car buying spectrum, uh, if you have started saving your pennies for McLaren's new Hyper GT car, which has yet to enter production, you should just uh, go ahead and leave the house and blow those pennies on a shamrock shake because this car is completely sold out. McLaren only ever planned to produce 106 of them, and at a price tag of a measly $2.5 million, of course there were enough rich chumps out there to pony up. Uh, this despite the fact that we still haven't actually seen the car yet. Um, they debuted a uh, sketch of the rear quarter of the car, um, but it's supposed to debut in 2019 at the Geneva Auto Show. So maybe by that time, I'll have actually learned to rap and actually how to record audio so that half the track doesn't go missing somehow. Uh, apparently this week, as part of a roundup of drugs and armed traffickers, Italian police uh, discovered a plot to steal Enzo Ferrari's body and hold it for ransom. Uh, 
and this is a real story. Ferrari died in 1988, and he's buried in an above-ground tomb in Modena, Italy, right around the corner from the headquarters of the famous car company that he founded. And I'm not sure if this is a common theme in Italy or what, but they must have thought they were going to be able to cash in big time to be able to put up with almost 30 years' worth of dead Italian guy rotting smell. Um, but, of course, the plan wasn't actually carried out, and I, I, I think that's a win for everyone. Uh, so let's look right now at uh, some of the new cars that debuted this week. Probably the biggest news this week is that a new Bugatti was announced. Uh, being constructed of 90% carbon fiber, it is Bugatti's lightest ever vehicle and should have excellent handling uh, due to its weight distribution and uh, the track of the wheels. Uh, best yet, it's probably also Bugatti's least expensive, coming in at just $39,000. Uh, there is, of course, a catch which is that this Bugatti is actually produced by PG, which is a company that makes bicycles. Um, but if you wanted to say that you had a vehicle designed by Bugatti and you could afford to do so for the cost of a mid-range luxury car and have to ride your silly carbon fiber urban bicycle everywhere, you now can do that. Um, now, the details are scarce on this next one, but Toyota has uh, teased an upcoming off-road focused SUV. After killing off the FJ Cruiser a couple years ago, Toyota basically only has the 4Runner as a capable overland vehicle, but it seems like they may want to dip their toes back into the off-road vehicle segment. Um, now, FT, it's called the FT4X, and FT stands for Future Toyota, and 4X could be either a callback to the FJ40, um, which is their original Land Cruiser, or indicate that it's a 4x4, but apparently whatever they debut will have a good shot at production, according to sources. Um, Toyota may be encouraged by uh, strong SUV and crossover sales, uh, steady demand for the Jeep Wrangler, and the incoming Bronco, which uh, Ford saw enough of a market for to resurrect recently. And speaking of the Jeep Wrangler, apparently uh, images of the 2018 model refresh leaked this week, revealing that the new model looks, well, pretty much exactly the same as the current model. Um, apart from a larger bumper, some integrated turn signals, and headlights that are ever so slightly intruding into the classic grille shape, you'd really be hard-pressed to tell the difference, even up close. So this, this actually brings us to a larger question that I thought I would tackle in today's deep dive. So let's go ahead with that. <laughs> So the basic question I wanted to address is, when is it okay to keep doing the same thing? I covered the new Hyundai Sonata, which, to be clear, is not the same as the current Hyundai Sonata, but is not a completely radical change. The existing Sonata sells pretty well, but as I've mentioned many times, the mid-sized sedan market is tanking and fast. 
and resting on our laurels, uh, playing it safe, and coming out with a new car that doesn't really offer any real improvements over the outgoing generation is a dangerous gamble. In 2011, Honda learned this lesson the hard way, introducing a new ninth-generation Civic that felt new to precisely nobody, and they paid a huge price having to completely redesign the interior of the car the following year to keep up with the competitors that had spent the whole lifetime of the 8th generation Civic catching up and passing Honda. It lost incredible market share in the compact car uh, field and lost its Consumer Reports recommended rating for the first time. They paid a serious price for playing it safe, and the 10th generation Civic certainly represents a big departure from safe, which indicates that Honda learned their lesson well. And yet here we are with a new Jeep Wrangler that looks almost exactly like the old model and will likely offer nothing new beyond typical items that have started to become standard on all vehicles recently. The thing is, it's not a risk for Jeep to do the same thing over and over again. It's actually the inverse, where it's more risky for them to introduce something completely new and different. They did exactly that with the new Cherokee model, and it's had some mixed results for them. The new Cherokee has lost the respect of the off-road community that it built with the XJ generation, which incredibly lasted from 1984 all the way to 2001. But it gained traction with people wanting a softer vehicle that drove better on the road and looked like it had some off-road chops. So why not do the same thing with the Wrangler and take it mainstream? Why not do something radically different? The simple truth is that Jeep can't do that because the Wrangler already is so very different. What other truck can you remove the roof from, and the doors, and collapse the windshield? What other car has such a rich aftermarket of parts allowing for nearly endless personalization, or has such incredible off-road capabilities straight from the factory? Jeep can change the Cherokee because it competes in such a different class one where there are many competitors and where differentiation is critical to attracting buyers. The same goes for Hyundai. The Sonata competes in a different market, like an incredibly dense market, and one that is attracting fewer and fewer buyers. Toyota gets it, and the new Camry is radically dis different by necessity, but the Sonata simply doesn't break the mold enough. The Wrangler doesn't have to do anything to be different because it's already so different. It competes in its own market. It has nobody pushing them to evolve or innovate. So staying the same doesn't have the same sort of negative connotation that it does for the Sonata. The only other car that I can think of off the top of my head that has afforded this same luxury is the Porsche 911. No other car puts the engine at the very back of the vehicle, over or behind the rear wheels, and the 911 enthusiasts are some of the most loyal buyers in the automotive world. So doing something different at Porsche would mean losing their key demographic. I remember when the 911 went from air cooling to water cooling, and my neighbor, who was and may actually still be the president of the local Porsche Owners Club, said he'd never buy a new one because that it wasn't going to be a true 911. And the same happens with minor changes in Wranglers, but I suspect even the most steadfast holdouts get over their hang-ups after a while especially when the Wrangler and the 911 stay so true to their original formats, decades after their introductions. So does this mean we'll see a new Sonata again next year? 
Only time will tell if Hyundai learns their lesson or if they even have a lesson to learn, but we can be pretty sure we won't be seeing a new or different Wrangler anytime soon. And for Wrangler fans, and you can count me among them, that's just fine. This is PTC News. Although it has not yet debuted, Chinese automakers Geely have already designed, produced, and placed on sale a facsimile of the new Ford Bronco, which was announced at the 2017 North American International Auto Show. Chinese car manufacturers have made a practice of taking popular vehicles designed by German, American, and Italian auto manufacturers and reproducing them at lower cost and with fewer features to buyers in China desiring to achieve a more luxurious look. According to industry analysts, actually beating their Western counterparts to the market was the next logical step in the evolution of the global car market and will make it increasingly difficult for manufacturers to prove Chinese automakers have copied existing designs. News broke of a scrapped plan to exhume the corpse of Enzo Ferrari for extortion, a group from West Virginia took to Twitter to disclose their own nefarious plot. The group of former coal miners exclaimed that they had originally planned to dig up and kidnap the body of Edsel Ford, son of Henry Ford, and the man for whom the Edsel brand of vehicles was named in the 1950s. They explained that their plan was also scrapped when they discovered no ransom would likely be paid because nobody could remember who Edsel was. Finally this week, fresh off the first race of the new Formula One season, driver Kimi Raikkonen celebrated his fourth place finish by painting an intricate watercolour of the Sydney Harbour Bridge while also bungee jumping from the Sydney Harbour Bridge. That's all from PTC News. And I want to close out this week with a call to action that was inspired by another podcast I listened to this week. It was Alan Tudyk's interview on the Nerdist podcast, which I really enjoyed, um, and you should listen to if you have time. Uh, Alan played Wash in the sci-fi western Firefly and was recently uh, the voice and motion capture actor behind K2SO in Star Wars' excellent Rogue One film. He was talking about his agents pushing him to go audition for pilots of sitcoms season after season when nothing was sticking, and when, he had, and when he had this idea he wanted to pursue, which eventually ended up being a Kickstarter campaign for a show called Con Man. Alan was really downtrodden because nobody was picking up his pilots and nobody wanted to take on his show idea, and how he hated just having to plug away at this soul-crushing audition process that wasn't getting him anywhere. But he had a goal, a finish line that he wanted to cross. And he wasn't going to let himself be deterred from doing this thing that he felt really strongly about. And, and he was passionate about it, and that made him get up and keep going every day. And this really resonated with me because I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate about cars. I love talking about them. Even if it's just blasting out to the void or to all 12 or 15 of my subscribers, how many of you there are. And it's tough to balance this show and a full-time job and four pets and a house that constantly needs updating, but I prioritize it because it matters to me. Uh, cars matter to me, and the more they are a part of my life, the more accomplished I feel, and the closer I get to my finish line. So I guess the call to action this week is to take a look at what you're passionate about. Look at your priorities and find your finish line. Make time for the things that matter to you and get closer to the goal. 
however much work it is, it'll feel good, and you'll feel accomplished getting there, I promise. And with that, uh, thank you for listening, and thanks to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. Um, So it doesn't sound like I'm completely bashing the Civic this week. Here is the sound of the new Type R, along with a bunch of other crap from Honda's promo video. Here, friends, is your moment of zen.